most definitely so james quinn i would like to thank you for joining me today on the i can't make this up podcast uh this is a podcast where um we pretty much uh do what we want and have fun while we're doing it and uh i just want to say i appreciate you for taking time out to join me today you and a accredited actor writer producer and uh family man if i'm not mistaken and according yep. to your background you look like a big wrestling fan as well I'm I'm a huge wrestling fan. I, I probably don't hide it so well, huh? <laughs> I'm set up in my office right now, man. This is just years of uh, collecting, man. It's been a, a, a pastime of mine for a long time. And I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I appreciate you for joining me today, man. It's, uh, it's actually an honor and a privilege to have an accredited actor on my show. Uh, uh, I believe you're the second actor I've had on so far. Okay. Oh, I'm happy to be here then, man. We're, we're, we're breaking some fresh ground on this, huh? <laughs> exactly. I like it. So, uh, won't you give me a little background on yourself? Yeah, man. I, I'm an actor. I'm from the Pittsburgh area. Mm. Uh, but I also have uh, a background in sales and marketing um, and construction. I'm kind of well-rounded. I used to be in the ice hockey arena business. Um, I mean, I grew up playing a lot of sports like uh, ice hockey, amateur boxing, a lot of baseball, a lot of soccer. So we, we did a lot of things in, in the Pittsburgh area, man. It's a big sports town. So that's, you know, kind of been my, my whole thing, my life. Um, then I got into construction simultaneously while, while doing my acting thing and, and kind of growing both crafts to see which one really took off. And then construction as of the last decade or so took a backseat mm-hmm. because of the decline in the power companies and, uh, and the power plants in general, uh, more particular. And so uh, acting has grown, especially in the Pittsburgh, Ohio, West Virginia areas, New York. Uh, these are places I can get to fairly easy, and it, it's a hell of a market anymore. So we can, uh, we're, we're all growing, man. Streaming has made things a lot easier for everyone, and um, social media has really opened a lot of doors. So man, I'm having a good time, man. This last decade plus, you know, just honing in on my craft and becoming you know, the actor that I am, producer, writer. Uh, like you said, I'm a, I'm a big family guy. I spent a lot of time with my family too. So trying to find that happy medium, man, that's, you know, that's, that's the tough thing, but it's a fun thing. You know? I mean, you're a family guy yourself, right? Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I don't have any kids myself, but I have nine nieces and 11 nephews. That's a big family. That's <laughs> yes. a family. <laughs> yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, uh, 
we 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 close, and you know it's it's always fun until they get to that age to where all they want is money from you. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't don't bring me over any more shirts. You know what I mean? I have to just give me the cash. Yeah. I you know. It. Yeah. My uh my second to youngest nephews, man. They got to a point to like they would just call me and say, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" Um, could you cash out me twenty dollars? And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hang up and we're gonna try this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's money first, right? I love it. Uh, that's twenty twenty one for you. Yes, yes, twenty twenty one. That's for sure. So different day. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, How was it growing up in uh in uh what, what part of Pennsylvania are you from? I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, so more more southern Pennsylvania. We're not not far from the West Virginia and Ohio borders. Um, yeah, man, it was uh, like I said, it's a it's a sports town. It's it's a middle class working town. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of power plants and steel mills. You know, we were a leader in the steel industry in the seventies and eighties. So I was a kid of the eighties. So I got the I come in on the tail end of that. My family being in construction too. So I was really brought up around a hard working labor community and family. Um, and that's what what Pittsburgh is. It's the steel town. You know, so we really learned very quickly uh, how to labor, how to work, how to really just earn your keep. Uh, and I think uh, I think that's big. I think it's not always instilled in today's game with people. Mm -hmm. I, I feel very fortunate to be able to come in on kind of on the on the back end of things there, um, and just kind of knowing what our you know our not only our our town but our country was founded on it was a lot of hard labor. That's that's Pittsburgh. That's you know that's Cleveland. That's that's Maryland. You know what I mean? That's that's mm -hmm. the East Coast for you, man. We were hard working towns, and uh, that that's what we did with Pittsburgh. You know, big Penguins fan, big Steelers fan. Uh, I, I am a Pirates fan. They don't, they don't, you know, <laughs> win the big one for me or really, you know, they kind of drop our hearts every year, but I mean, I still want to see something big happen there, you know, but uh, I'm a hometown guy. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's Pittsburgh in a nutshell. I was going to ask, would you uh, choose uh, I, uh, hockey over football, but it seems like you're rooting for both heart, the same, uh, same amount, I guess. I do, man. Uh, but if I if I have to be pushed in the corner, I'm a diehard Penguins fan till till the end. Uh, big time with hockey, man. I grew up playing hockey. I've been around it. Uh, I have a lot of friends within the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. My grandfather was very close with a lot of those guys, and so I've, I've gotten to be around and work with quite a few of those guys over the years. And uh, being in the ice hockey arena and, and being a hockey player, so that's that's first and foremost for me. But man, I still love the Steelers and, and the Pirates. Just I'm black and gold, you know. Um, so we probably have a little bit of a rivalry going on. Are you a Ravens fan? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Washington football team. Hey, there you go. I like it. Man. <laughs> I like it. But I like to meet new people, man. I don't have anything against, you know, Baltimore. I just love my own town, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, that's cool to see with Washington. I have no problem there whatsoever. That's you know, awesome. What's dope about Baltimore is that um, originally they were the Baltimore Colts until they moved to uh, Indiana. And right. A lot of people don't know that history, and that was a that was a championship team back in the day. So, oh, for sure. So when the for Ravens, sure, and then Cleveland got uprooted and moved into Baltimore, it was kind of musical cheers, right? Exactly. You know, so right. it's a, it's a lot of history if you pay attention or if you actually do the research on it. Absolutely, there is, man. I love the old school. I love, people don't realize where where all the roots began. You know, I look at like the Hartford Whalers and the Winnipeg Jets and people don't remember, you know, how that all began in hockey. And it's been the same thing in football and baseball. Just because a team leaves, that doesn't mean there's not a history. Man, I love going to see the Capitals play, man. Just to, the yeah. environment is more electrifying than, or I say more stimulating than watching it at home, you know. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm always rooting for them, but 
me skating personally, I, I, I think ice is my arch nemesis, man. I can't, oh, man. I can't balance for nothing. <laughs> it, it takes a lot, man. It takes a lot, man. But I enjoy watching the Caps too, man. It's one of my favorite rivalries with the Penguins, man, because it's just, there's just two excellent teams, man. Washington has come so far in the last 15 years to become a major player in the game, man. They are a contender almost every year. You know, you got a Vetchkin who's a beast and, uh, they build a heck of a team around them, you know. Um, I guess I guess Wilson isn't always making friends, but I, I kind of dig him, man. I like his style, you know. Man, he's not gonna have any teeth in the next few years. <laughs> he's, like that. he's definitely gonna need some dental work, man. But that hey, but that's old school hockey, man. That's what people forget. That's what that was founded on the nineteen seventies hockey and sixties, man. That's all it was. Nobody had teeth. Yeah, you're right. They they <laughs> also used to you know smoke cigarettes and drink before every game or during, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, training was at a minimal, man. It went on sheer talent and anger, right? <laughs> <laughs> bad, old, bad, old, bad. So uh, you came up uh, family did construction, and you kind of, uh, you know, got backdoored into that. And then how did how did acting come about? Uh, you know what? I got to do a little bit of acting um, in my youth as, as a kid. Uh, I, I did some school plays and, and went for the grade school years. I did some commercials in high school. Just found myself at the right place at the right time, maybe doing some background work or, you know, running around wearing backpacks for different schools and stuff and promote different products. Um, not the major. You know, I did a couple of pizza commercials, things like that. Now, this was like the 1990s. We're talking mid to late 90s now. So mm-hmm. um, the game isn't wasn't then what it is now in the Pennsylvania area and in Ohio and, and um, West Virginia is, is where it's more leveled now. So you didn't have a lot of opportunities like you have now. You had some things come in periodically. And like I said, I did some background for different films like Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme was the first film I ever worked on. Um, and so I, I got to get my teeth wet then, you know. So what happens is 1998 rolls around and I get a big offer in the construction field. Uh, my daughter's just being ready to be born. So it's like it was a no-brainer. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of opportunities in acting. So I didn't want to go away from it. There just wasn't anything to go to at the moment. And I was being offered a good paycheck and a great learning experience in the construction field. And so I, I pursued that. And so for the next 13 years, that's all I would do. It took me, it wasn't just a little over a decade ago that I came back into the acting industry, when things really picked up in Pennsylvania again and in Pittsburgh in general. And so I found myself traveling into places like Cleveland too, in New York, um, Erie, uh, the Carolinas a little bit, just up in Philly. Just, you know, there was a lot of opportunities being created that I didn't have 13 years earlier, man. So now you have even cell phones changed that much. So, you, you know, you, if you missed a call for a gig back in the day, man, you missed it. If it wasn't on your answering machine, you missed a gig. <laughs> and so now they're texting you, they're emailing you, they're sending you a message on Twitter and Facebook. So you have all these different opportunities available that you can get this information in a moment's notice that you couldn't get before. Man. So I found that that really, really helped me because, um, I, I really learned social media well, and I think it's been a great tool for me in marketing myself. Mm-hmm. And so I get more opportunities that way. Streaming platforms are, are so much better now. And so I think coming back when I did, excuse me, a little over a decade ago now, um, was just the right time. I think that 13 years that I was gone, it really wasn't um, that much of a playing field for a guy like myself, to, you know what I mean, on the East Coast and not being in L.A. and not being in New York. I think now now's the time, and I think it's the, the rise of the independence. Okay. I, I never really heard about any like uh productions going on in West Virginia. Usually when I think of that, I think of like a, a mining or a coal town, you know, or, or, you know, state. Yeah. There's, I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of Hollywood films that come through. There are a few, 
and, and the ones that have come through have been have done really well. Um, but there is a lot of independent film. There's a lot of independent music. Um, a lot of comedians are starting to rise from the West Virginia area. So they're quietly making themselves known. And, um, and a lot of those guys are working with us in, in Ohio and West Virginia too. And so we're kind of joining markets a little bit. But um, I'd say West Virginia has a great independent scene. And uh, I would love to see... There's so many wonderful places to film there that like you just cannot recreate on a set to try to build um, for shooting. I think that um, I think Hollywood would be crazy not to go to West Virginia more just because of its locations alone. Um, and the talent's on the rise too. You know, a lot of their their actors and like I said, musicians and comedians are, are really starting to hone in. They're seeing what we're doing in, in Pennsylvania and, and Ohio and we're not that far away. So we're kind of, we're networking with one another. So we, we've got a lot of good things going and I work with a, a company, one of the better independent companies in, in West Virginia is out of Parkersburg, West Virginia, it's Dizzy Boy Productions. Mm. You know, I headlined a film with them called No Knock List uh, that had Maria Olsen, the horror screen queen, and with us from LA. So they, you know, they flew her and they went the extra mile and they're making themselves known to where they're one of the top companies within the West Virginia area now. I think it's great for the independents, uh, great town for that. Yeah, I, when I was checking your your bio, I think I believe it says you had uh fifty two acting credits, something like that. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. They're not all on there, but I think that's what IMDb is saying right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's probably a dozen plus more that didn't make it on there for one reason or another, and they don't always get there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so at least that many. I'm probably sixty plus, more than a dozen commercials. Um, you know, training videos. We just so many things that aren't on there, but um. But yeah, um, it's been a lot, and that's just in the last 11 years, you know, so uh, that's been a lot of work that we didn't have prior to that. The things I did before that, you know, you don't even have your work credited for you. They don't see it anywhere because it was so long ago. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm real fortunate to get to do what I do. But if you're if like anything else, if you're willing to hustle and travel and go outside of your market, too, and, and really show what you can do, man, there's, there's a place for you. And um, I'm not afraid to hit, hit the road. I like going up to New York. I don't get to the West Coast as much as I'd like. It's my next thing. I want to get out to LA more and more of them a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, I love what we're doing on the East Coast though, because we're proving and not even in New York, we're doing it in Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, um, Maryland, because they've had a lot of TV shows come through there. So we're, we're proving that we can do everything that they do in Hollywood. You know, and we do it for less of a budget and we're showing a really, really well-rounded product. And the talent is phenomenal find the actors that you can find in pittsburgh philly um cleveland cleveland is an awesome market for independent actors that are on the rise um, i think it's it's something that you didn't see 10 and 15 years ago man so yeah we we really come a long way i've seen a lot of people coming together more um especially independent people who are like you know starting from the ground up or you know, uh, trying to work together and I don't want to say build a conglomerate, but try to pull resources and make things happen for, you know, the people that don't get noticed like they should, you know, when they got talent, but they just don't have the, uh, the national recognition, you know? So that, that's actually, that's uh, what I love about podcasting, man. The connections I've been making over the past year have been dope and seeing everybody, you know, sharing information, uh, you know, willing to uh, give you tips and everything and then giving you uh, keys to market and then opportunities at the same time. Like, you know, that's what that's what makes everything better, in my opinion. 100 percent. And I think it's that's key. I mean, we've had to come together because, you know, let's face it, we don't have the budgets that they do in Hollywood all the time. You know, I work on Hollywood films, but as a filmmaker myself, I don't have the Hollywood budgets. And so um, 
you know, we, we pull together, you know, like I, I might know a lot of actors and this guy might not, he might know a lot of locations. And there's mm -hmm. somebody that can get us resources and music, man. And we all come together and build each other up and we help each other with this project and that one. And that project that you're doing is so much better than it could have been. And we're getting all of our names out there and more notoriety instead of just hiding and pretending like you don't see what the guy next to you is doing, man. We're, we're trying to help build people up and, and show what we can really do as a group, man, instead of just being having that me mentality, man. If we work as a team and just really work on showcasing our talents, I think we're, we got a lot further we can go, all of us. Most definitely. I like, I you know, anybody that has a, a position or a career, I always tell them, like, well, if you just have a regular job, you, that means you're working for a company. So that means you have an opportunity for growth within the company. And it's like, you know, make yourself one of those people that can't be replaced because you know all this stuff or, you know, take that experience from doing this job and that job and that job and build your resume up and your experience helps you grow further. So, like, I'm pretty sure with you, you know, you didn't just become an actor. You you started putting, dipping your toes in different parts of the industry so that, that way you know how it works when it comes to, you know, making deals and structuring and things of that nature. Oh yeah, man. I think I think for any any independent, whether whether you're an actor, a podcaster, a musician, whatever, I think that first three years are crucial, man. That's building your brand, learning your craft, especially networking, meeting the right people that have you know the same like goals as yourself. And so once you survive that first three years, man, I think that's when you're really able to come together as a unit and then build off of things. Because I think those first three years is when you find a lot of people. I don't want to use the words wash out of the business, but we'll definitely succumb to the, the dark side of the business and just say, you know what, I've had enough. I can't do it um, because they maybe didn't weren't able to navigate the waters. Right. And I think um, just really coming in here and trying to learn it all man, learning social media, learning networking, um, then learning your craft, man, taking workshops and getting out there and learning from others who have a lot more experience than you. And I've learned from workshops. I learned early on working with actors who were in the industry for, you know, 30 and 40 years, picking up tips, being around those guys and girls and, um, you know, and just kind of like applying those principles to my everyday work uh, and, and having a strong work ethic. So I think once you get beyond that first three years, no matter what your craft is that you're chasing, man, I think that's when you start to really see your goals coming together. And that's when you start to see um, the achievements racking up because my first three years, I was just taking and doing everything I could, you know, just to get myself out there on the scene and to, um, you know, to gain a little bit of notoriety. And now, you know, the past seven, eight years come back is when I'm starting to see the fruits of those labors, mm -hmm. you know, coming on a lot of shows and getting to do these interviews with people like yourself, man. I'm very appreciative of that because they see what you're doing. Um, this is something we weren't doing 10 years ago. You mm -hmm. know, and we're doing it now. And we're getting our work out there, like I said, with streaming um, in front of millions of people. Who knows how many people see it? I'm not saying that we got as many eyes as Hollywood, but we got so many more than we used to that I got people that will message, you know, in, in Vegas and Texas and, and in the UK, especially they love American cinema because they watched your work. And, and the first couple of times you hear that, I mean, it's mind blowing because you realize there's a world outside of your own market that sees what you're doing. And that's, that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, 2020 you know kind of shook the world to its core you know at least uh i would say the u.s was impacted the heaviest you know as far yeah. as you know um things coming to the hope for the longest opposed to you know every other country that probably dealt with it for months compared to 
shoot, it was a little shoot. I, it's still going on for us, to be quite sure. honest. You know, so sure. you know, a year strong, I'll say that. So, uh, how how hard did it uh, affect you in any way? Uh, it did a lot. I mean, it, in terms of being able to film, nothing happened for our first. I'd say four to six months, it, things just completely stopped dramatically to where I was in the middle of a feature film when all this happened. And so we had to stop production right then and there. You weren't allowed on, on the locations no more. Everybody was a nervous wreck and rightfully so. And so um, that, that can be absolute hell for um, things like continuity. When you come back and people's hair has changed, people's weight have changed trying to get back to that um and so that was that was a pain and then you know like you said you've you've probably dealt with it too because you know just finding your way into a grocery store man finding things the first month we couldn't find toilet paper i know you probably dealt with the same thing it was man it took two weeks to get a pack of toilet paper in the house i'm like this is i've never seen anything like this in my life so yeah it impacted us a lot man um some people in a good way me and it, it definitely impacted me in some some positive ways because you know, I know my wife and myself and my daughter, we all kind of started eating even healthier and trained. We were at home a lot more often. And so we, we got to know each other even better um, and eating better. And we started working out better. And so for us, it became a little more healthy, more, a little more conscious about the things we do and where we go now. Mm. Um, not that we want to be, you know, the whole world's under a mask right now. And it's crazy, but we're starting to finally get around without them again a little bit, at least in our area. Um, but it's just, you never see anything like it. It's like, honestly, I, I just, felt like like a third world country all of a sudden it was weird you know you couldn't go anywhere people were showing up in the grocery store in hazmat suits people mm -hmm. used to talk to you were running and going the other way man and i just you know it was it was the it was the weirdest most bizarre feeling in the world you thought that it was the end of the world for a minute uh yeah when i when i heard the report about them saying that uh last year was the first time they cleaned the, the new york train system ever i was like what <laughs> <laughs> That hurts thinking about it. Ugh. Yeah, like that's that's mm. ridiculous, you know. I'm just like, yeah. and I can just uh, imagine what else you know fell to the wayside prior to mm -hmm. this this pandemic, you know. So yeah, it yeah. for a lot of people, I always say it was the best worst thing to happen, you know. For sure, man. I think we've as as a country we've become a lot cleaner, mm -hmm. uh, a lot more aware of your surroundings and the things going on around you, but. Uh, yeah, man, I think, I think we're still going to suffer the effects of this thing for maybe a couple of years to come, it sounds like. So in some things, we it may never go back. You know, they may this may be the new normal for a lot of things. But I don't know about where, you know, what you're seeing in, in Maryland and Washington, but like things are starting to finally come back over the last few months here to where, where there's places if you're vaccinated, we can go into stores now. You're not you know, having to wear the mask unless you want to. Um, not everywhere. There's still places that require it just getting out and being able to go into a restaurant again. I don't think I sat in a restaurant for nearly a year. That was weird. You know, cause before that we would go out to eat at least once a week and, uh, you know, just being able to go out and, and go to a bookstore, man, and, and pick up something off the shelf that you couldn't do for so long. I'm like, it's starting, I'm starting to feel like a normal human being again, but we don't <laughs> want to take it for granted. Now, right? Yes. You and me both, man. I, I told myself, um, uh, when it's safe, the first thing I want to do is like go to Red Lobster and sit down and enjoy it. You know, that a sounds good, so good. A good uh, meal, but you know what I did uh, in January because uh, I haven't been to the movies in so long. I got a couple of friends and we we rented out an AMC theater. They was letting you do it for a hundred bucks. And I just like I, I want to go to the movies. I don't care what we say. Like, uh, man, it's been over a year since I've done that. That's awesome. 
Yeah. yeah, just so many AMC theaters. I mean, are they are they all shut down around you? Because I think I have two in my area that are open. No, um, most of them are open. Um, okay. Partial capacity, uh, from okay. what I know. So I'm waiting for it. Can you know? I want to say everything to be fully open to like you know feel comfortable and go in and you know sit with a you know room full of people. But you know when I rented it out, it cost us. I think I paid twenty bucks, and then it was four other people. And, you know, they put up the rest. It cost a hundred bucks to get it, but we had the whole theater to ourselves, you know, so. That's nothing. Listen, you take you and, and, and the missus out, man, or whatever. It's you're, you spend 40 bucks already by yourselves anyway anymore to get a movie. A hundred bucks is great for a group. Exactly. So that oh, was a good time. Yeah, but the, awesome. the snacks weren't cheap, though. They were the same price. <laughs> yeah, all that. I was just talking about it today with my daughter because. We're a big fan of the Conjuring series, and there's a new Conjuring movie out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we should go check it out now that you can finally get back to a theater. And she's like, Dad, we got HBO Plus. So it's it's going to be free on there for the next month. Mm -hmm. I just found out. So instead of going to the movies, we're going to watch it here. But one of these days, man, I got to get back into the theater because I miss it. That's you know, there's no experience like sitting in a movie theater and watching something new. Exactly. It, it was crazy how much content was released last year because, you know, people were going to be sitting home and they, they you know, each platform wanted somebody using theirs more than the other. So they was like, instead of releasing something every month, it was like, uh, you're going to get 12 movies this month and two TV shows next month. And right. this is like, throw it all out there, throw it all out there. And I was just, just going to binge everything. Yeah. yeah. I could, but in some ways that was fun too, right? Because it gave you something to do while you were stuck at home. Um, oh. just getting back to the experience man is great like when you did i wish i would have done that. i didn't even think to do that at the amc theater that's awesome yeah once i saw that flyer on um facebook i believe it was i was like oh yeah i, I could do that you know you know i'm yeah, gonna get out bad. the house it, it was Thank crazy you, you know like I, I sat in my house and watched you know four walls for so long i was like i, I can't do it like i felt like all I did, and it, essentially that's what I did. All I did was go to work and come home. I was an essential worker, so you know, right. thank thank God I, I wasn't laid off or anything. I had to deal with the whole unemployment thing. So, you uh, know, that's not, for yeah. sure, nightmare. And, and, and it still is. From what I'm hearing from people, they can't get them on the telephone ever. So it's, I don't even, I can only imagine what, what they were dealing with. Sure, I guess some of them got extra money for a little while, but it was it wasn't worth all the hassle you had to go through. I don't know. A friend of mine's got laid off and he didn't get his first payment for seven months. Oh, um, God. Yeah. So the, he got, he got all his money retroactively, but you know, seven months is still seven months without seven months. You could lose a home. You know, your utilities are shut off. Uh, I mean, that's, that doesn't help. I mean, yeah, you get the money back, but what about what, what all you went through for seven months, right? Exactly. You know, oh, so stress and, other stuff like that probably made it a lot worse, you know? For sure. No doubt about it, man. Thank God he got it. And sounds like we're all starting to move in an upward direction again. So let's, let's knock on wood to that, right? <laughs> you say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that uh, you were actually um, in a feature film when um, uh, the pandemic, uh, or the, I say the quarantine hit. Did they ever start up production again? We did, yeah. We actually just wrapped production on that. Uh, I want to say it was three weeks ago. So we got back to it. We were shooting on weekends when we could get the crew around and just trying to make sure everybody we looked the way they used to. Uh, we've been back working on it for the last, I guess, three and a half months, trying to get all the pieces together that we couldn't get the first time. 
Mm-hmm. And some things we had to go back and reshoot. And so, um, yeah, we finally finished it. It's a paranormal thriller. And so just getting, it can be a nightmare though for things like continuity. Like I said, some people change weight. And, you know, one of our girls, her hair, um, one of our actresses, her hair grew like four and a half inches. Mm-hmm. And so we find instead of making her get a haircut, there was a few scenes that we had to kind of hide her hair and tuck it behind the collar of her shirt so that people didn't catch on. And at least we hope they don't. You know, just <laughs> we had to hide little things to make it look the same as they did. And, and that's no one's fault because who could have predicted for that? You know, and uh, it was just crazy, man. But um, yeah, it's 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 back. It's finished. We, we're going into post production on it, and should have a trailer out in the coming months. So we're real excited about that because. Some of my favorite horror is like paranormal type thrillers, uh, as opposed to blood and guts. I've done it all, mm-hmm. um, but I really, really enjoy. It. Like I'm a big fan of the Supernatural series. I don't know if you ever have seen Supernatural. Just finished up last it, year. It's funny. I'm I'm watching season 15 right now. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I won't ruin anything for you then, man. But I I love that series since the beginning. Um, so, even in the downtime. So let me let me ask you this. So uh, without giving any details, were you glad with the ending? Yeah, and no. There were a couple of things I would have liked to have seen happen, but overall, I'm, I'm satisfied. You know, I don't want to like give away anything to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's there is there is a couple of shockers in there, man, and you'll dig them. Uh, but a couple of things I would have liked to have seen come to fruition that didn't. But I I kind of feel like because of the pandemic, they were rushed to come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. So I think um, coming to the one they did under the circumstances, I I think it was it was sufficeable. I think people will accept it. I know that I'm okay with it. I think if given we didn't have COVID going on, I think there was a couple of things that they would have finished up on mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, kind of dug into a little bit deeper things that you'd seen go on for the last 15 years that you wanted to follow up on. Um, but I think, I think they come to a, a pretty good resolution given everything that the world's gone through for the past year. I think, you know, most people accepted that. Okay. So, cause you know, my whole thing is when you love a show like that, you will want it, not to leave out on a cliffhanger, but you wanted to finish strong. Like don't, don't, don't yeah. peak and then valley at the end. Like don't do yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. But I tell you what, though, anytime you get attached to a show or a long running series, I think no matter how they end it, you're going to be slightly disappointed because you don't want to see it go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Friends went off the year. What was it? 17 years ago. And I still miss it. You know, it's, uh, it's like you're never ready, but they just had the reunion. So it's up on HBO right now. So I know I kind of got my fix right there to see that. But um, I think once you get attached to certain characters and stories, man, like no matter when it ends, it's too soon for you. Right. Oh, yeah. Were you a fan of Dexter? I only got to see like the first half of season one of Dexter, but I did like what I saw. Man, one of these days I've said that's the show that I'm going to get back to again because I know I can probably get on stream it all now. But um, what, how many seasons did they finish with? Um, they did eight, but I just eight, saw okay. a trailer yesterday. They're bringing it back. Are they really? So yeah. like, like a reboot? Or are they gonna like pick up where they left off? Uh, I guess essentially they're gonna uh, pick up from where they left off, but like it was real okay. short, and it just showed him like walking and looking to a store that had knives, and that's okay. all they that's all they show. So it's like everything's to your imagination what could possibly. Be. I know that he's supposed to be in like some little small like harbor town. Okay, but it doesn't give any other information than that, and I'm just like, well, the way it ended, I'm like, I don't know how they're going to proceed from this. So, see, now I'm going to have to go and like get caught up and then get myself to that point. So when the new one comes out, I'll be able to see it. But that's definitely one of the shows I wish I would have gotten back to for sure. Yeah, um, 
I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy it. Um, you, you're going to get hooked halfway through season one. Season two, you're going to be like, oh, wow, this is this is crazy. And then season three, you're going to be like, there's no way he can keep going on, but he does for five more seasons. <laughs> they figure it out, man. Yeah, that's all. Once you get past that season three, man, I think you're really onto something, you know, because a lot of shows don't make it three seasons anymore. I so, think, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask, as an actor, does, does uh, watching TV shows and doing movies, because you have the experience behind the scene, does it make you uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say uh, picky, or do you like critique shows differently from, from being uh, experienced but being behind the camera and like noticing things? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it changes so much for you. I mean, I'm still a fan. If I'm not on that particular set, I can still go and, and fan out to a show, you know what I mean? which is when you're on the set and you see things, but I do find myself looking at certain things like uh, continuity and lighting and, and sound and differences, things that I probably would have never looked at 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but you see a little difference or the way somebody was wearing a coat or, uh, you know, if, if a candle was moved in a scene. So sometimes I noticed early on, I had to change the way I watched things because I was ruining things for my family because I'd be calling it out. <laughs> oh, no, you can't. There's no way. Did you see what they did? So I had, after about a year or two back, I had to stop doing that. Just let, let the show be what it is, you know, mm-hmm. because it just ruins it for the people around you because you see it differently. You know, you see it as an actor, you see it as a writer, you see it as a director. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of envision what they did do or what they should have done. You know? And so, but, I think you just have to set aside. If you're not part of that project, I learned that I'm just going to set it aside and, and watch it for what it is, man. And just make up a decision of, of how I feel about the characters and the story and forget about the little things. Yeah. I, um, I'm a huge fan of cinema and TV shows. And, you know, when you were a kid, you, you watch everything with, you know, big do- puppy dog eyes. And then as an adult, you like, wait a minute, I didn't see that boom mic before when I was little like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see all types of mistakes. And then I, yeah. I start notice like, um, uh, like rhythm, rhythm fights, like how they, how they, uh, correlate, uh, curate fights with, uh, with like music and stuff like that. Like I pick up on yeah. all this stuff and I'm just like, okay, so they timed it to go with the fight scene to go with the music. And when it ends, it valleys out. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's the, control the tempo a little bit. It's funny you said that, man, because did you ever notice in, the sh- in TV shows, especially in the 90s, mm-hmm. it wasn't in the 80s as much, but in the 90s, you would see the boom mic a lot. Like, I watched, I remember growing up, like if you were watching Beverly Hills 90210, I can't tell you how many times I saw a boom <laughs> mic and now that I didn't catch on to it back then, you know? And uh, something like that, it just, they wouldn't let that fly today, man. But it was like, it was the normal back then. I'm like, ah, it just dipped on a little bit, whatever, keep going. And yeah. it's like, yeah, now, nowadays you just, they would, somebody would be fired for that. You know, it would be like, up, oh, nope, 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 stop. We're going to redo it. Um, but it was funny how many times they let it go back. And not just that show, man, a lot of shows did it. And it was like, wow, we just saw the boom. Like, again, it's, it was there for a full three seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it just, they just kept it going. Um, so it was a different time, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, the money they was putting out there compared to what they doing, like I say in like the past 10 or 15 years is a lot different. So uh, they're going to get the best quality and they probably paying somebody to make sure that their arms are strong enough that they're leaning in the wrong way or, or, you know, missing cues. And it's like, um, I guess Eddington has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. So what they let slip back then can't go today, you know? No, for sure, man. It's uh, it was definitely a different game, and it was probably kind of like a hurry up. We got to get it. We're on the time constraint of our budget. 
you know, let's just get it in. And, but now with editing software, so that boom mic does dip down into those, you know, that first couple inches of your frame, well, you can crop that out. Mm-hmm. If it's not coming down a full foot and it's only a couple inches, that's something that you can, you can most definitely get away with now with the right editor because uh, that's software that wasn't available for them back then. And they probably could have eliminated a lot of that. Um, okay. But things have definitely progressed in a, in a more positive direction in, in terms of cinematic. What was uh, uh, something that kind of shocked you once you got behind the uh, the camera and saw, you know, the bells and whistles of production? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think I think we learn something every day. Uh, I think in terms of like being as an actor, or do you mean more yeah, so? like 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 you said, okay, I didn't know that's how they did that. Like like you know how they um, switch out walls or something like that. Yeah, man. I think uh, how we would cheat a scene. Like, so we've we've made one location or what something you might look at, like the room I'm in looks like one location mm-hmm. is finding out how they can make four or even five different areas sometimes look like one location by showing a wall here and a chair here. And you know what I mean? And showing the door over here, but it's, it's all like, sometimes it's, it's actually literally three or four areas being brought into one to sell a look that you're looking for. And I thought, man, and then never catching that on camera because you don't get to see that when you're the viewer at home. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, I, I know for instance, um, I did a house in a horror film that we used three different houses as one big crazy horror mansion that we were in. And it was never one house. There was three different houses that we filmed in. And so, and we actually were able to make it all look like it was one place to, all the way down to the paint and the woodwork and different things. And that's something that like kind of blows your mind because you think when you watch it home, like that all took place in the same house, that's the same yard. How could it be any different? And it's not. And sometimes it might be a different exterior as opposed to an interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and so like, and you don't realize it, like how how often people do combine areas and locations. And I think that's to me that that kind of struck me as pretty cool. You know, seeing that for the first time because then I start to learn and think about what I can do, especially when you're on like a lower budget and you need to to add to your set. And thinking, okay, we can start combining locations as long as they look legit. Mm-hmm. And so scouting, I think, is a big part of that. Those really have the right people out looking for the things you need, not just combining any locations because you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But finding different areas that, that that can be acting as one, man, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially like when it comes to like you know background noises and things like that. Oh, for sure. So yeah, just just room tempo. Uh huh. So um, you know, I, I hear um from like a lot of up and coming actors how crazy like call times could be um you know on sets like how how i won't say how bad was it for you but what was your experience with stuff like that oh man yeah i mean i've had call times as early as two and three a.m you mm-hmm. know and um i i've had long days as, as long as 18 and 19 hour days because they had to get the shots you know especially when you're on a hollywood set and they got a budget man and it's so we're not going to stop after eight hours like if they didn't get the the five scenes they set out for that day or those four scenes like sometimes it's only three scenes and it might take 15 hours to get them so i think uh just those long days man you know uh whether you start at 7 a.m or 2 a.m and if you do a 12 to 17 hour day it's it's crazy man um i don't mind it though like for me it's a high if i know i got to be on set at 3 a.m i'm the guy that's there at 2 15 in the parking lot waiting i'm getting ready because i want to know everything that's happening that day like it's still the same high to me as it was 11 years ago. 
and just being able to go out there and do my thing and learn. I want to see, I want to just break the whole thing down. Now I'd, I'd rather not work 17 hour days, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I don't mind the early call time when we're really enjoying our craft, but it can be, it can definitely weigh on you, man. It can, it can take a lot out of your, your body physically and mentally um, for sure. But it's, it's part of the business. You know, you get used to it every time. They say when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Exactly, man. I'll work day or night when you when you really enjoy it. Um, and, not, and not everybody gets to do that. So, I mean, I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to do the things I have. Man, that's dope. I, um, I never actually been on like a, I guess, a big production movie set. You know, something okay. small and independent, you know, like a studio scene or something like that. But I know that that feeling has to be crazy, like especially like... Uh, like, you know, like uh, a A-list actor come through the door and you just like, all right, I gotta, I can't fan out, but you know, this is such and such right here, you know, I want to take a selfie or something. <laughs> you do, and then it's kind of like a, a no-no on the set, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you learn that real quick that you can't, but like, for me, one of the first things I did when I came back was Dark Knight Rises. Uh, it, was, it was being shot in Pittsburgh and man, like me being a huge Batman fan, you know, I got cast for a small part after you know, just standing in line with 2,000 people just to be seen by a casting director, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting there within the way that they have talked about this with a few people recently, the way they transformed Pittsburgh into Gotham City, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like Pittsburgh anymore. I mean, I felt like I was legitimately in Gotham City. It was a summer days, and it was, um, oh, man, it was like 91, 92 degrees out, but we had fake snow everywhere. So <laughs> we had to do fight scenes and different things in the streets, and you were, you were wearing full full gear and clothes and mm-hmm. and you were sweating so bad but you had to make out like you were freezing you know um and so but it's just just to see that transformation and the money that went into a set like that and watching the batmobiles come down the street past you and <laughs> here comes christian bale and Anne hathaway tom hardy standing next to me getting ready for his lines and i'm you know I'm, I'm freshly back to the scene man i hadn't been a part of the scene in 13 years so i'm like okay this this is pretty cool um just just to be around it how crazy was that that you were actually in a film from from like a comic book series that you grew up reading like that that had to have been like yeah. mind blowing <laughs> it, it is man and to this day it's the biggest production i was ever on you know i say it's not the biggest you know scene i've ever had but there are no small rules as they tell actors right mm-hmm. and so but it was it was a huge learning experience for me and being on that set man meant so much to me just to if it was the only thing i did when i came back to the business then great because i was part of batman part of that history mm-hmm. and part of that that trilogy man was just it's pretty super cool man not everybody gets to do that and uh to say i stepped foot in gotham city man that's not too many people get to do that. <laughs> that was pretty badass i, I know uh, you got plenty of pictures <laughs> i did yeah and like for i was afraid to show anybody for like three years because you have to sign agreements that mm-hmm. like with that particular set they were haywire they went nuts about people having phones on set you had to lock your phone up and on lockers you weren't allowed to take pictures you weren't allowed to do selfies or you know what i mean anything like that um because they were afraid of getting out but by the same token you know a lot of the a lot of the people that lived around the areas in the apartment buildings were outside taking pictures and everything leaked anyway because they wouldn't they would tell them to stick their head in to to do a scene and you know the people that lived there the locals would just poke their head out in the middle of a scene anyway and without their windows <laughs> looking and they'd have to stop production and you know so the stuff that did get out there, most of it wasn't from people on the set. It was just from local people living in the area that wanted to see Batman and wanted to, you know, leak things to the media. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy though, man. I was I didn't want to show anybody for a while. <laughs> like <laughs> I got to keep this to myself. 
but I'll get I'll get uncredited or something. Most definitely. I um you know, I, I love DC comics. Um their live action movies haven't been that great in the past ten years or so. But their uh animated films are A one. If those were to ever get released in theaters, I think that they would be, you know, doing Marvel numbers in my opinion, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, man. I think I think the fan base there has grown like leaps and bounds. And I think maybe the reason with film it isn't is because they keep recycling it so often, like you don't really get a break from the film version, you know. And mm-hmm. so like in fact every time I turn around, there's a new Spider Man, right? I just <laughs> if you get a little bit of break, you can like take in. I was still trying to absorb the Toby Maguire years and then we've had like four since then, right? So they, they do cycle them a lot more than they used to in the eighties and that like for me, for the longest time, I mean, yeah, there was Adam West, but the only Batman in my eyes was Michael Keaton. And then all of a sudden, you know, forever. I mean, he, he's Batman to me. But um, but I love Christian Bale, what he did. But I think we've seen so many of them now that, like, not everybody can live up to, uh, you know, what Batman should be. And I say that because, for me, Batman, what I loved about Michael Keaton is there was a lot of good Batmans out there. There was a lot of good Bruce Waynes. Mm-hmm. But with Michael Keaton, I definitively saw batman and i definitively saw a separate bruce wayne and i think he killed both characters uh, and not everybody can do that to me michael keaton brought bruce Wayne to life you know like i always had on that argument we we discussed like um it's been like three different jokers in the past 20 years right yeah i always tell people if you pay attention jack nicholson brought the tv series back uh joker to life Keith Ledger brought the cartoon Joker to life. If you if you really want to uh, debate who was the better Joker, it's two right. different things, you know. Sure. So Joaquin's was great, and yeah. I think that that was a very powerful movie that came out last year, and a lot of people just went for for action. But there, it was so many messages and innuendos in it. It was just, you know, uh, it was just a star studded, uh, uh, you know, a great film that I think needs more praise than what it's been getting. I mean, it's it, I it won plenty of awards, but it was like, you know, it should have been movie of the year, in my opinion. No, I, I completely agree, man. And, and there hasn't been a lot of Jokers over the years, but those three guys that you just described, every one of them were awesome in their own right because they didn't try to outdo each other. They didn't try to compete with each other. They did three separate things, man. They brought you three different Jokers. Mm-hmm. And every one of them were fantastic. Man. I've, I've, tried to find which one I liked the best. And some days I can't, I used to think it was just Jack Nicholson before the other two came out. And mm. I find myself loving all three now and in different ways. So um, I really think, yeah, I would have loved to have seen Heath Ledger get to do it one more time because I really, I'm kind of teetering toward what he did. You know, he really brought the dark side of the Joker out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have loved to, have, I think they were kind of on pace for him to come back with that character, you know, before he met an untimely death, rest of his soul. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I really love what he did, but man, was Joaquin something special or what? That was that was different. Man, I, I, I was I was blown back because you know, uh I don't like trailers giving away too much, but it's good when you you get the exact well I'll say the exact opposite, when you get blown away by how much you don't see in the trailer when you go see the actual movie. For sure. Yeah. For sure, man. And they really sent the message with mental health. You know, I think that's kind of something that they were really going after mm-hmm. with that and kind of got it out there that, you know, hey, this is this is a thing. You know, we're, we're going extra dramatic with it, but it's a real problem. And so 
I think they were able to get that out there and make people even more aware of, you know, what some people are going through in life that were tortured, you know, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. A lot of people don't even realize it could be something small or minute to them, but it can actually be affect their life greatly, you know? So, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, they say, um, you don't receive a message from anybody saying that only one person kind of like show you something that's, you know, or help you retain certain information. Like, you know, like for me, um, it was one of those things, like I see, oh, I see like the comments of how many people started actually like, you know, speaking about their issues based off of that movie and, and conversations about the movie and stuff like that. You know, that that's what makes the difference. For sure, man. I, people were still talking about it right now. They were talking about it for, for months and months right after that came out. So they, they made an impact with that. And I'm kind of looking forward to see what they do next. I've been hearing rumors of sequels. I don't know how true it is. Well, it's 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 all types of things coming out that, uh, you know, I try not to forget. But, you know, with, with cinema and everything open back up and productions, uh, you know, uh, getting back in, I guess, the swing of things. It's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that was postponed that's, you know, that's back on the shelf, you know, like, um, for sure. I'm a huge fan of the Cobra Kai series and oh yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing how they, uh, you know, bring in Terry Silver and, and, and make that story kind of come together because I, you know, like for me, I, I get real intricate with it. I'm a huge, like, you know, uh, 80s TV show movie fan. So oh, yeah. I'm like, for sure. It's kind of hard to, um see how it fits because you know it, it was crazy he was you know this grown guy who was doing his business and he wanted to help his friend get back at a teenager and i was like that's kind of weird but you know yeah. but he he lost money doing it because cobra kai fell after that movie and then he comes back and i'm thinking like it, it has to be deeper than this like because if that oh, was the case sure. and, and that was his friend then why was he homeless you know, prior to resurfacing in the second season. I'm just like, and then him then him calling him and him coming back. I'm just like, something crazy is going to happen. And I, I want to see what the writers do with the, uh, the project. Yeah, they definitely have something in store. At least I'm, I'm hopeful, man. It feels like they do. And like you said, man, the 80s, the 80s was a great time. But yeah, they did things like that. You know, you wouldn't, yeah, why, why are these grown men trying to, yeah, have their guys go and attack these teenage kids, right? But like back then, you didn't even think about it, man. I was a kid in the eighties. I'm like, oh, this is normal, right? Yeah. So you fell in love with it, man. I love the Karate Kid series. I mean, I'm wearing Back to the Future right now. It's my favorite franchise of all time. I'll, I'll argue that till I die. You know? um, I just love everything about the eighties. It was a great era. Michael, the music. Michael J. Fox uh, made you want to. Um you know, hoverboard, like everything about that movie or that series, I should say, you know, it made everything cool. And, and it kind of pissed me off because I expected all that stuff to happen, you know, uh, in the future. Number two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like remember in the second movie when they, uh, they had those pizza hut packets and they put it in the oven and then they, oh, yeah. within two seconds within and it came out. Three seconds, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I was, yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> so that's awesome man and them hoverboards that came out those aren't hoverboards either they can mm -hmm. get rid of those now i want to see the real thing that's that it's got wheels on it man get that out of here that's not a hoverboard man you know i want the real thing but uh yeah you did you they made you believe it right every bit of it and uh you kind of fell in love with it so it's, it was it was a cool time man. and just like with the karate kid too same thing 
So uh, I'm assuming that if they were to like, uh, you know, come out with a remake, which I, I don't think they can really pull off, you know, uh, successfully, in my opinion, is that something you would try to join the project? I'm on the fence about that, man. As a fan, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at this from a fan's perspective, I don't want to see a remake ever. I'm kind of with, with Gil and, and Zemeckis on this, where they did something great for three films. The only way I can get on board with it is if it is a legitimate sequel. And given, you know, the state of Michael J. Fox, they would have to come up with something really creative to make that happen, you know, that so that he can still be on set because without him, it's not Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. You got to have Marty and Doc or it's not going to be the same. You know, maybe it revolves around their kids kind of taking the reins, but they got to be a part of it. It would have to be, to me, a legitimate sequel, like a, a part four, like this many years later in the future. And, uh, in which case, you know, it's not the future that they knew, right? Mm. So that's been changed. Um, I just don't want to see a remake. I don't even even with me in the project, I got to put my my own profession aside and say mm. because I can't see them. I can't see them popping it. You know, they've done some cool things not long ago uh, where they were picturing uh, what's his face from the most recent Spider Man, and then um, uh, they were just putting different you know celebrity faces on on Marty and Doc's character to see what it would look like if they actually did make it. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, you know it would be fun for the fan, but I think I don't think it would would get the pop it needs, man. I don't think it would do it any justice unless it's a legit sequel. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge uh, Ninja Turtles fan, and you know, no disrespect to Nickelodeon, you know, it was right. a great kids film, the, the two movies they came out with, but mm-hmm. it's nothing like the live action originals, you know, like. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I'm just like, and I actually, when I watched the toys that made us and I realized, you know, what it took to bring this to life and what they did with that movie and how it, it was number, it was the number one independent movie, well, it was the number one movie in the country from April to November in 1990 until Home Alone came out the next month for Christmas. Right. And I was right. like, I didn't even know, you know, how big they were, you know? No, I mean, remember, I was I was a kid back then too, and but it was, you knew just how popular it was. And I was, I was definitely a, a big fan of the animated series. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I did watch the movies, you know, I, I don't know that they, I mean, at the time, I think it was pretty cool. You know, I was what, like 11 years old, but, I mean, it was it was a good time, you know, just to see it. But uh, I do like the animated version best. No doubt about it. Um, it. It was pretty super cool. But I believe they did do that kind of money, though. They had the following. And, uh, and Home Alone was going to be tough to top, so that's all about timing, right? Man. It was uh, that crushed. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, uh, I always praise Macaulay Culkin, um, you know, for being the child actor. But I was like, to to be that famous at that age – you know, life can never go back once you, you know, once you go that route, you know, and I hear about child actors and, you know, how they become young adults at that age because of the business they're in and the career path they chose. And I'm just like, I couldn't do it. You know, you know, I I try not to, you know, uh, uh, talk bad about anybody if they, they struggle with problems due to, you know, their career choices and stuff like that because they, they try to cope and they didn't know how to handle the fame and stuff like that. So it's just like, you know, I appreciate your hard work and your, your sacrifice and bringing entertainment and joy into our lives, you know? 
for sure. And it's in, it, sometimes a little success too soon is, is an issue. And I think it's better in that particular business. Sometimes it's better that you get it a little bit later, maybe your late teens or, you know, into your adulthood, twenties, thirties, whatever. Cause then by then you've, you know, you've learned to appreciate respect what you've had to do to get things. And then you didn't get it all at once. So you didn't just top off at the age of nine. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I, how do I outdo what I just did at nine years old? How do I, how do I outdo, you know, or do you get typecast because of something you did for two or three films as a kid. And then when you become an adult, maybe they don't want to take you serious. And that's hard for an actor. And that's, that's been a lot of, that's been a very common problem, you know, for actors for years. Some have broke the mold and been able to, you know, to reinvent themselves as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm kind of glad I'm coming back when I came back as an adult, because I think it's something that I was able to give myself more range. I didn't have any star power as a kid. That's for damn sure. You know, and I think that like, you know, we've, I'm still fighting and climbing my way up the ladder. So I think that you appreciate every bit you get. Um, but then you don't feel like you plateaued either. I always feel like I still got a lot more to give the business, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when you get that fame that early on, I think a lot of it, I think, I think a lot of them fold under the pressure, man. A lot of them crack under because it's, it's a lot of pressure and responsibility for somebody that young to handle and then right for the show. So, does the possibility of uh you know landing like a uh you know a huge role that'll make you like super famous does that scare you at all no man i'm I'm open to it i i, I live for that moment that i just kind of i mean I've, I've had a wonderful career on the independent scene and you know and i make appearances in hollywood films so i've gotten to do a lot more than most people get to do in the industry mm-hmm. but i just know that like that's kind of what we're striving for you know at the end of the day you want to you want to leave your mark in your profession no matter what it is. So I think that that's something that I've, I've built myself up to to this point that I'm ready to make that impression that people were talking about 30 years from now, I hope, um, over something that I did, even if it's just one thing, because it, it gives you a little um, legitimacy to what you worked hard for, you know, and I think that I'm at a point in my career where I'm ready for that. And um, I'd like to do that at least, you know, once or twice before it's all said and done because that's the goal, you know, I've done a lot in independent and um, like I said, I get to do some things in Hollywood, but I really want to make my mark there on the big stage. You know, and me being a wrestling fan, I say it all the time, you know, every, every guy that's out there killing them on the Indies, they still want to go to WWE at some point. Mm-hmm. They still want, you know, to, to go to WrestleMania and have that big match at least once. Right. Oh, yeah. I think that's, um, we do that as actors too. Man. We want that. We want that big one just once. Right. Oh yeah. So you started out watching the WBF. Yeah, man. Uh, I did. I was uh, a big fan from the early 80s, probably from the early Hulk Hogan years on. Um, mm-hmm. And still, like, but everything in the 80s and 90s I love. Today's today's game, I love the things that are really outside of WWE, the independence, New Japan, like what's happening in AEW, love NWA wrestling. Um, there's a lot of cool things going on. But it's really, after the Attitude Era, they really plateaued in the industry. And so they're out there finding ways to reinvent themselves now, too. And I think just over the last three or four years they're they're finally doing that again but i felt like there was a drought for 13 14 maybe 15 years to where it was just more of the same and they hadn't been able to talk what they did back then and i think uh they're doing some interesting things now i think with having the rivalry tnt now having aew again and the independents are rising it almost feels like the territories are out there again mm-hmm. and that makes the business interesting I mean, you can't if you buy up all your competition then you know, the fans are going to get bored at some point. They like having that competition so they can go back and forth and see what's happening out there and compare products. And uh, I think it's important. Yeah. I, um, I lost my passion for wrestling in like the late nineties when 
I just kept saying like, um, you know, the, the bad guys, like, you know, I, well, you know, back in the day it was bad guys versus good guys, like, uh, right. NWO and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So they, they just kept like, you know, becoming bullies. And I just was like, ah, I kind of see where this is going, but you right. know, nothing was like when, when Hulk Hogan went up against uh, the ultimate warrior back in the day or, or Sting would come out and, and beat somebody with a baseball bat. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, those were, those were great times, man. And uh, that's about where I, I turned off for a couple of years myself right at the end of the attitude era after the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I found my way back, man. I've been I'm a big fan since I was a kid and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things in the industry. I love again. And um, I've been a part of a lot of cool wrestling podcasts too, getting to, to talk business with people in the business, which has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, love seeing what's going on again right now. Though, man, it's a good time to be a fan again as a wrestling fan. Anyway, did you meet any uh, wrestlers? Yeah, I uh, I've met a lot over the years. Um, but with the podcast that we were doing, I, like we got to interview um, Al Snow, mm-hmm. who I thought was was always pretty fun to watch in WWF. Um, we had Kenny King on the show. Um, a lot of the Ring of Honor guys were on there. We interviewed Thunder Rosa. Who was who's now blown up with NWA and AEW and mm-hmm. her own promotion that she owned, the Mission Pro Wrestling, man, with, with the ladies that are out there doing some wonderful things. Um, so yeah, I've, I've gotten to do some some pretty super cool things. I, I worked on Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies, so I, I worked with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who was one of my childhood idols, you know. Um, and Shane Douglas, the franchise, got to go work with those guys, Matt Hardy. So that was okay. kind of cool. We were all on one set together, man, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, just, man. Yeah, man, we had some we had some really cool ones in there. It's a weird concept of a film, but if you're a fan of zombies and a fan of pro wrestling, man, and especially wrestling from the 80s and early 90s, you'll dig this because uh, it kind of meshes the two worlds together. But just being there with Roddy Piper and hanging out with him on set, man, that, that was that was pretty cool because um, there's a guy that leaves an impression in your mind that you just never forget about. How was he off camera? The same as he is on. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's wild, man. High strung, but a great dude. If he likes you, he really likes you, you know. And he took a liking to me, which I'm, I'm very, you know, happy to hear because um, he and I were stuck together on our lunch break in Parkersburg, West Virginia, in an old prison with no power, no heat, no water, electric, and everybody went out to eat. And I thought I was coming from Pittsburgh, man. So I drove down three hours each way to be on set for a few days, some long days. And I, I come down the tunnel and I thought everybody was going with me. I didn't know where to go. And here comes Piper. You know, he's there chilling. I said, aren't you going out to eat? He goes, ah, no. he goes I I got, I got stuff in here, man. He goes, I'm going to check this place out. So we spent our entire lunch break walking around this prison, man. It was with no heat and electricity, checking out all these old rooms and uh, just, you know, just telling stories and cracking jokes together, man. It was, that was an experience I got to have. You know, if, if I would have gone out to lunch that day, I wouldn't have had to got to do that with Harvard, you know, just looking at the interrogation rooms and hearing his commentary on it. But, but what you see is what you get, man. If, if, if Hot Rod's all riled up, he's going to, he's the same guy you see on camera. If you don't, if you don't see something, if he sees something on set he doesn't like, he's going to say it. You know? and he's, he's high energy all the time. Um, but what people don't always realize is he's also, he's been a SAG actor for a number of years since the eighties. And he's a fantastic actor. Uh, they Live is still one of my favorite films, man. It has one of the best street fight scenes in any film that's ever been made. With him and uh, Keith David, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I love Keith David, man. That dude is hilarious. Um, yeah, but that was, um, that was to me, that's still one of the best street fight scenes I've seen in a film, and it's been a long time. You can't talk it. Yeah, uh, he was in... Put the glasses know. on. 
He was in a uh, minute work with Charlie Sheen and uh, oh, that's one of my favorites. That is one of my favorite Keith Davids, man. He was provoking me. <laughs> he kidnapped the pizza guy. I mean, I, I fell on the floor in tears. Oh man, that was it was funny. Um, I forgot to do. He was in that movie Summer School. That was the pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, his name. He was also was he Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well? One of them. I think he was. The, uh, Maybe the like remake. His... But anyway, yeah, he was definitely in summer school. You're right. Um, uh-huh. But that Men at Work was, uh, was I have a copy of that, man. I watch it once a year just for fun. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> um, I watch, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 2 at least once a year, once or twice yeah. a year. Yeah. Um, the Last Dragon. Uh, uh, the Dark Knight. Um, it's, it's, it's certain movies that um, mm-hmm. I can hear in the background and I'll stop and sit down and watch like every time. Like it doesn't matter what place in the movie it is. And, and I'll Great. sit there and watch it, you know, it's just like nostalgia, man. It's nothing like it. Nah, that, that's the best word to use for it is nostalgia, man. That's one of my favorite things in the world. Like I said, when I was working on Hot Rod, that was all nostalgia. All I could think about was him hitting Snooker with that coconut, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and he actually reenacts that in Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies, man. There's a, there's a coconut deal in there. You'll get a kick out of it if you ever get to see it. I'm going to check it out. I, I heard about the movie. I just I never saw it. I think it's still streaming on Prime Video and um, maybe a few other services as well. Um, but, yeah, it's out there. And DVDs are on Amazon still. Well, speaking of Prime, um, I, uh, I, was, I caught the trailer for Checkmate. Uh, I wanted you to uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Checkmate was a good time for me. We shot that in 2016. It actually just came out last year. Um, so that's also available on Prime right now. You can get the DVDs in Walmart and then uh, I think Target and a few other places, Amazon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an action thriller. For It's an independent film, but it was shot in and around all over Pittsburgh, man. Um, we had an independent budget, but it doesn't look like it. Um, it's along the lines of a, a Jason Bourne type uh, theme film. Mm-hmm. Uh, an action thriller where I play Checkmate, who is the, the villain in the film. I, he's basically in charge of human trafficking, mm-hmm. things of that nature. I, I kidnapped, I killed the old police chief years earlier, um, not months earlier, I should say. And I then I kidnapped the new police chief's wife, and, or his daughter, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. <laughs> his wife wasn't happy with me either. But So I kidnapped his daughter, and it just leads to this whole, you know, trying to get this money and ransom to kind of, basically you know flood our empire so that we can filter what we've been doing with human trafficking and their their objective is to stop us only nobody knows who i am nobody's ever seen me and so to me it was a lot of fun i mean i get to be that kind of that mysterious figure throughout the film uh there's there's the the daughter that gets kidnapped is kind of helped by this bystander that was just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong right time and uh, he's got a martial arts background, so he's able to keep her safe to a degree until I do actually kidnap her. And then now he, now the police actually think that he kidnapped her himself because they don't know him. And he's kind of like that unknown figure that they saw on camera with them. But yet he's actually fighting with them to to try to stop me. But yet we're we're both after him. Where I'm after him, and so and so are the police because they think he's the guilty party. They don't know it's my character. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really really. Uh, puts things in a tailspin for this particular character. In fact, the film was entitled Bystander at one time, based on that character that was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, but I think audiences seem to, to favor the term checkmate, given the way things were, were taking place in the film. Um, 
I don't want to give away everything. I don't want to give away the end. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was nice to, to have that. We had some martial arts scene. We had a lot of high action, a lot of drama. Uh, we had actors from all over uh, New York and LA and Atlanta and the Pittsburgh area, of course, in West Virginia. Um, so we, we had a nice mesh of, of talent for me. It wasn't like same old, same faces that you worked with, you know, 12 and 13 times. So it was really nice to get that fresh chemistry. Um, and I think it was conveyed well on camera, man. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but it was a lot of fun for me. Uh, if you like action films. It's it's on my watch list. I, I told myself once I saw the trailer, I was like, I got to watch this weekend. Cause you know, just on my downtime when I'm not editing sure. or anything like that. I hope you enjoy it, man. We, we had a lot of a lot of fun filming it. Um, we used a lot of really cool locations in Pittsburgh, and the mayor was really good by us and the chief of police in terms of landing locations and shutting down roads and providing you know police units. Um, it was super cool, man. It made us feel like we had a multi-million dollar budget when, in fact, you know, we didn't. But we had a nice budget for an independent, but um, they they certainly helped us to make it look a lot bigger. Did you uh you ever get hurt doing any of the things? All the time. <laughs> no, I mean, like, not majorly injured, but yeah, I don't think anytime I ever do an action scene that everything goes perfect, you know, mm-hmm. in that particular movie, um, we're doing a fight scene toward the end, I'll say. And, um, one of the actors I'm working with, man, great guy, great actor. We just kind of, I just kind of stepped into a punch. He was throwing at me too quick and he kind of followed through with it where we were off the page a little bit. And I took the punch straight, you know, straight to the middle of the forehead, and, uh, which was no big deal. You'd rather not do it, man. Like I, I was an amateur fighter for a little while. So it wasn't like uncommon ground, but when you're on set, it like it catches you off guard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about that was though, is we all had a nice laugh about it. And so anytime you hear somebody getting punched in the film, they dub that sound and it's actually me getting hit for real, um, okay. which was kind of cool. Cause you can't get more authentic than that in terms of uh, fights. But I, every time I ever do, and I do a lot of my own stunts, and I, I feel like anytime there's a fight, something always happens where you accidentally get hit or you, you know, you, you, you bust a finger or something. Uh, something that you weren't, wasn't supposed to happen does because it's it's not a perfect world, right? Yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, uh, when I see certain movies, like uh, I saw like, a, I guess it was like an outtake or whatever of um, Michael B. Jordan taking the punch on Creed and and when I seen his body hit the ground, he was like, yeah, I was out for a second. And I was like, that's, I don't ever want to get woken up from doing a, a scene. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's legit. Um, yeah, I, I have a boxing film in the works. And when we did our short film, Sandman boxing film, it's, you accidentally, you know, not accidentally, you take those shots sometimes for real to make it look good on camera, but sometimes you get a little too into what's happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've all been there, man. You know, your day's been confused and you don't know what just happened. You're like, <laughs> I really walked into a good one there, man. But you know what? And also, and for in Michael B. Jordan's defense, it you know probably made for some of his best takes on camera too, because it, it doesn't get much better than that. Because it doesn't look fake; it's real. What you're seeing there is very authentic, man. Whether you're on the receiving end or, or not, um, it looks great on camera. And that, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do as actors. We want to sell it. I mean, Stallone has been you know been doing that for years. I mean, I think he. I think he's even said it on numerous occasions. At one point, he got knocked out by Drago, you know, Dolph Lundgren, because you know he was he was a real life fighter, man, and just just a big dude to take a lot of impact from. And I think he walked into a couple, and you know what I mean. It took him a minute to get his bearings, but it's you know it's all part of it, you know. But he's Stallone's a badass too, man. He just keeps coming, you know. He's gonna get out there and he wants to sell it to the fans, and you know he sells himself as a fighter quite well. 
Um, but because he was willing to take those shots, and he did it again in Rocky Balboa, he was in there taking real shots, you know, with uh, was it Michael Tarver, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. I thought was, I think it was Antonio Tarver. Antonio Tarver, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm combining. I'm combining <laughs> actors now. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, so they they went out and did it, you know. And like, I, you got to give them credit. Anybody who goes out there and does it because it ain't easy. And every time I do it, and you take one for real, you're like, man, why do I keep doing this? But then you see the end product and the way people react to it, and then you're on a high again. You're like, okay, this this is why I was doing that. But uh, you don't want to make a habit of of letting those things happen to yourself for sure. That's just like uh, Jackie Chan. You know, you watch some of the like the outtakes at the end of his movies and the stunts where he like hits a wall or, or falls on his back or something. I'm just like, man, that's a lot of commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so durable. Man. He makes it. He makes it look easy. But man, he's just. He got so much energy and so flexible, but he, you know, he takes a lot of shots for real, man. And, he, and those things you see him do, he does his own stunts. And that's not, that's not an easy thing for a guy to do that, that can also act like, like he does, you know? Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's incredible, but he's been doing it, I think since like the seventies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even longer. He's just uh, an absolute incredible talent, man. And when you can do your own stunts like that, to that degree, Mm-hmm. And still act at a high level, man. You know you're you know, you're something special in the business. Okay. So uh, besides what you got coming out that you're working on, is any uh, movies or projects you're looking forward to see come uh, come out in the future? Um, uh, a Hollywood production or my own? Hollywood production. Oh, um, well, I'm really psyched about the Conjuring Three that's out right now. That's the yeah. one I want to see. My daughter and I. Um, in terms of what else could be coming out in the future. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with the new. I heard that they're going with another Creed film again, so I'm kind of interested to see what what happens with that and where they go now. Oh, okay. Uh, and that, that Stallone's got something in the makings with with the Rocky character too. Like I think they might even be two separate films, so that's kind of got my eye. Um, and I always always hear the rumblings of the red the remakes for for Freddy Krueger and Robert Englund, and I don't think it's going to happen at this point. But wow. recently it started to surface again, and that kind of got me excited. But it might just be the fan in me, you know. Um, but I, honestly, I don't know beyond that what's what's really supposed to come out because I'm kind of we're still navigating through this world of COVID where we're just coming out and seeing a little bit of daylight now. So uh, yeah, I don't really know what's what's really been happening outside of our world, man. I gotta I gotta kind of see what's in the works out there. But I get excited for a lot of cinema. So whatever um, whatever it might be next, you know. Yeah. I, um. I see that they're they're pushing more of the uh, origin of like villain narratives when it comes to these movies. So I see that coming. But you know, back to what you said about Robert England, I saw an interview that he he did um, a while back, and he was saying in the interview like uh, playing the the character of Freddy Krueger kind of kind of mess with him mentally. So um, it it kind of shocked me when you said that he's possibly coming back to the franchise. I'm like, I wonder what he be, what he be doing in that. Cause, but you know, it might've been something he, he dealt with internally and, you know, and got passed or whatever. So that would be interesting to see because he, he was Freddie, you know? Oh, for sure, man. And he may not, like I said, it might just be wishful thinking. The rumors surface all the time, uh, but I can see, and I have seen the interviews you're talking about where that can, that can mess with your head. When you get into a character that deep and that dark, Mm-hmm. for a lengthy period of time too man it, it can it can get with you i mean look at again heath ledger when he was the joker man he he was in that character so deep he didn't really come out yeah. so um 
but they they also leave for some of the best performances ever. But it's it's at what risk, right? It does take its toll. Most definitely. Well, I see that you you taking pretty good care of yourself and you maintaining a, a level head when it comes to that. So, you know, um, I, I wish Try. you the best. Yeah, I, w- I wish you, you the best of luck on every uh, venture you got going on. And uh, I look forward to checking out Checkmate uh, this weekend. I'm, if I have some time this week, I'll check it out. But nine times out of ten, it'll, I'll be free on Saturday, so I'll be able to watch the whole thing, you know. Yeah, so I mean, message. Let me know what you think. Good, we're wrong, we're indifferent. It doesn't matter, man. We're we're open to all of it. You know what I mean? And uh, there's a lot of things people didn't like, and there's a lot of things they did. So, man, that's we're just glad that people are out there watching and taking a look at our work. So, I appreciate you taking a look at it. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. But, man, this has been dope. Um, I got to have you back on the show, man. I, I enjoy having our, sure. this conversation with you, man. You know, especially. Yeah. Uh, especially getting the insight uh, when it comes to the industry and everything. Like, uh, you know, I appreciate the details and everything. My pleasure, man. Let's definitely do that again sometime. And I appreciate you having me. Oh yeah, most definitely. So um, why don't you tell my audience where they can reach you at and uh, anything you want them to look out for? Yeah, guys, uh, you can hit me up on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything is at real James Quinn. Um, I, I have a TikTok. I don't use it often, but I do a lot of tweeting. I it's 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 really for the younger crowd, in my opinion. Um, uh-huh. I do have it because I was doing some fun things with my dog on there. It just passed away. God rest his soul. But um, anyway, yeah. So Twitter is a great place to find me. I do a lot of tweeting, so um, interact with me on there, man. That's that's awesome, and, and I love Instagram too. So real James Flint, take a look. Most definitely. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you guys for listening today. I've been your host, the Land of a Legend, a.k.a. Big T. And this has been another installment of the I Can't Make This Up podcast. That's I Can't with a K, Make This Up podcast. You can find us everywhere podcasts are available. Also, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're listening to this, don't forget to hit the like, share button, and subscribe. And please support my guests and all their platforms and everything they got going on in their future endeavors. I would appreciate it very much. And until next time, peace. I can't make this up. Being the wing man got me punched in the face by this crazy chick. I can't make this up. Gave this cool old man to ride home. Now I'm harboring the fugitive. I can't make this up. Pin between the fat chick and the speaker. Now my shirt smell like her backside. I can't make this up. It's all bad cause my man about to get stabbed in his hand over french fries. Bad. And I'ma let the land over legend do the rest. I'm out.